want to do something really quickly, and this isn't um, this isn't scripted. This isn't part of my announcements, but I want to pray for somebody that I, I think is pretty important in the state of Hawaii here. And you guys may not all know him, but his name is Sonny Garcia. He's a professional surfer. He won the Triple Crown, which is like Hawaii's big deal, six times. He was a world champion, best surfer in the world in the year of 2000. But he's a local boy, grew up on the west side. He has a lot of influence in Hawaii. And he's been battling depression for a number of years. And he recently tried to take his own life. And they found him. He was in Portland, Oregon. He's in ICU right now. He was in a medically induced coma. And... Um, He's in a bad way right now. And so I'd like to pray for him because he has a lot of influence here in Hawaii. And I think it would be incredible if God did a miracle in his life and brought him out. What a great testimony. But also I want to just pray for his family and the influence he has right now that in the middle of it, they could find peace and they could find Jesus and that God could be glorified somehow. So I don't do this all the time. I don't pray for just all the random requests, but I feel like it's on my heart right now. And I actually just heard texts on my phone from some of his friends and family that he may have had a turnaround. There have been churches that have been holding prayer vigils for him, and we've been praying all weekend long. But he's apparently, from what I heard, that he may have come out of the coma and he's awake, which is kind of a miracle in itself. And so I don't know what God wants to do, but I just feel the urge to pray. Would you guys join me in prayer really quickly right now? Let's pray. Lord, for Sonny Garcia right now, we just lift up his life to you, Lord. I know he's had a crazy past, and he's been through ups and downs. He's been to church before. He's, he's been searching for help and trying to find hope and dealing with depression. And, Lord, um, I pray right now for you to work in his life. Lord, if it's a miracle, we believe you can do it. We know you can do it. We're going to ask that you would allow what he's been through. It seems like a medical miracle to happen, but we know you could do it, Lord, that you could bring him fully out of the, the coma into consciousness and, and to be a living, walking, breathing testimony of your power. And so, Lord, if that's the case, we ask for that to happen. But, Lord, we also leave it up to you and your will and your plans. And if, if it's his time to go home, Lord, that, that he would come to be with you and that he would have peace. Lord, we pray for his family. We pray for in the midst of this circumstance that people would come alongside and they would, they would, um, they would model the love of Christ and the peace and the comfort that only comes from Jesus and that your name would be glorified in the midst of this terrible situation. Lord, whatever we turn him over to you, we pray for healing or for what your will to be done. But in Jesus' name, right now, we pray for Sonny Garcia and the family and for you to prove yourself who you are, God, in this situation, and that people would know that and they would give you glory. Uh, we just love you and we ask this in the name, the power, and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for doing that. I don't always do those things. I just felt led to. So today we're in this um, frequently asked questions series. We're trying to cover some topics that a lot of people ask about a lot of the time. Last week we talked about how to deal with irritating people. Did any of you guys try to work that out in your week this past week with those irritating people? Did it work? Did anything? No? You guys just come for the show? Like, that's cool. Like, no. I want you to make sure that, like, hey, when, when, we, when we teach, you're absorbing it, and you're going, I got to try this stuff out. I talked to several people that actually said, hey, the stuff that you gave me, it helped. Man, those people weren't as irritating. Like, stuff worked. And so today, I want to give you some stuff on how you can deal with disappointment. This is one we get a lot. In fact, the situation with Sonny Garcia and the depression that, that led him to take such actions, I believe a lot of times it starts with a simple little disappointment in our life, right? Like something just gets, comes along and discourages you and it builds and it builds and you isolate yourself and the enemy lies to you and it turns into something big that can be terrible in your life. And there's this verse that I want, I want us to kind of lock on today, that, today that's a promise from Jesus. And Jesus had been in three chapters talking to his disciples, his followers, about who he was, what he could promise them, how to live our lives. He said a lot of really cool stuff. 
And then he kind of comes to this verse in John 16, 33. And he says this, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, in other words, this wasn't just to his disciples. This means to every human being there before and after. Is that here on earth, we will have many trials and sorrows. He's promising you're not going to live a life that is disappointment free. Even when you become a Christian, you're not magically like perfect and no problems in your life. He's saying, you're going to have trials, you're going to have problems, you're going to have many trials and sorrows and disappointments. But then he makes a promise to us, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And what he's basically saying is, hey, this life is going to be terrible at times. You're going to suffer disappointment. Some of you came to church today because you're looking for some hope, because you're in a disappointing situation right now. You're dealing with people or circumstances, whether someone did something to you, whether you did it to yourself, or whether this is just the broken, messed up world that we live in, and you don't know who to blame, and maybe you're even blaming God. Well, here's this verse from Jesus that says, hey, I have something for the disappointments in life. And Here's a basic definition of what disappointment is all about. If you're taking notes, maybe write this down to remind yourself. Disappointment means nothing more than this. When your, rea- when your reality doesn't live up to your expectations. So we have expectations for good things that happen and how things should be in our life, but we get a dose of reality that says, oh, that's, that's, you've been let down. Like what you were hoping for, your expectations are not being met. Can you, any of you guys agree to that? And you're like, yeah, I can relate to that. Let me just show you a couple of pictures of our expectations and what the reality is just to kind of lock your mind on this. Here's a couple uh, instances of reality and expectations. Like maybe you're this guy and you're grilling meat and you think you're the man with all the ladies. And here's a reality. You look like that, Mr. Smokey, okay? Like maybe here's another one. Expectations and reality. You wish you looked like that on the public system when you're falling asleep. <laughs> But you know you look like that. There's like open mouth, flies buzzing around, whatever. You're like, there's a reality. Anybody you can relate to this kind of stuff? You ever feel like this? The next one is like you're trying to grow the beard and look cool. And our wives remind us, no, honey, this is what you look like. Any wives in there that your husband looks like that? It's just not working out. Oh, don't raise your hand. Poor guy. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. And maybe this last one, we all have kids. And you're trying for that picture. And your phone is full of these pictures. Anybody, parents in there, your phone is like that. You just know. So here's the deal. Basic disappointment is simply when you have expectations of how life is supposed to be and reality comes along and slaps you upside the head and it does not meet those expectations. Now, we can laugh about it. We can talk about the weather because yesterday I was severely disappointed. I was hoping for a Saturday off. I already had plans birthday party on the North Shore for my niece. I was hoping to get some waves and hopefully surf or get my dive on, find some shells, just have a good time, go to Waimea, jump the rock. Like I was fired up. Eight o'clock rolls around. It's pouring rain in Kailua. Anybody who was disappointed with yesterday's weather? Anybody in here? Man, I was disappointed. Then I get the call from the North Shore. Party canceled. We're waiting for sunnier days. I'm stuck at home watching Netflix in bed just while it's raining. Like, Disappointing. But listen, there's bigger things in life to be disappointed about. There's relationships that are hanging by a thread right now because I read your prayer cards. I know where it's at. And my heart is going out to you. I'm praying for you guys. You got to know that. But there's relationships. And there's maybe like, I trusted this person. I gave my heart. I made a covenant before God that this thing would work out. And circumstances have not lived up to expectations. And Reality is brutal, and you're severely disappointed right now. Maybe, maybe you don't have a relationship, and that's why you're disappointed. Man, at this time in my life, I thought I was going to have the full picture, the house, the kids, the wife, and everything. God, I'm still single. 
Why am I still single? When are you going to bring me the one, the soulmate? Maybe it's your bank account. Maybe finances, you're just like, this is what it costs to live in Hawaii. Hello, anybody? This is what it costs to own a house in Hawaii. And you're just like, ah, it's disappointing. The price we pay for paradise, right? It could be a lot of things. Could be health problems. Could be that you're just like, wait, this cancer's not supposed to happen to me. I'm healthy. I eat well. I exercise. This this can't be me. Maybe you're, you're disappointed in that regard. Maybe you've lost some loved ones that maybe they were taken way too early, too young, and you're just like, God, why? I don't get this. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. There's a lot of things. Could be this. Anchor Church, Pastor Carl, we love our military. Can I just say, if you're in the military in this church, we are so blessed to serve you and to be a part of what God is doing in your life, and we're so very thankful for what you do and what your family does to bring freedom to our nation. Can we just give it up for the military right now? Like, huge. I am. I'm blown away. Thank you for sponsoring me on base to take me to surf waves. I appreciate that as well. That's great of you. But the military, here's what I understand, it comes at a cost. And that there's a lot of things that what you signed up for to fight for your country, to see the world, to have this awesome life, it takes a toll on marriages. It takes a toll on families. It takes a toll on your personal health. There's PTSD issues. There's so much. You don't get to always make these lifelong relationships when you're moving all around all the time every couple of years. There's a lot that I see it comes. And maybe you're sitting here, That's someone that's sitting here today living with the discouragement, the disappointment of, shoot, I thought my life was going to be looking like this, and here I am with this. I don't know what it is, but I bet you everybody in this room, we can think of something that disappoints us. And today we're going to tackle this question and this promise that Jesus is basically saying is that this world will disappoint us, but God never will. That's my word for you today, is that if you can do things God's way and you can run to him, there's hope for you to overcome the disappointments that this world throws at us. Amen? All right, well, let's dig into it a little bit. And if you're looking at your notes, there's a first question I asked because let me preface this message by saying this. I'm not some pastor with a perfect life up here speaking this one to you. This one hits near to home, it hits my heart, is in the midst of all the amazing things that God is doing in my life and my church and my ministry and family and all that cool stuff, there's been some major disappointments in my life in the past season that I'm in, past few years, some really rough stuff. And it's like personal Pastor Carl stuff, and I'm not going to like self-implode. It's not depression sitting in or anything. But there's real, honest to goodness, hurts and disappointments in my life as well. So what I'm going to share with you guys today is stuff that I question God with, is stuff that I've found help and hope in because I've gone to God. So I, I want you guys to know, I don't know, sometimes I'm, I'm in, the, in the train of thought in my sermons where I'm just like excited and it's funny and it's all of this. Today is a little bit different for me because I'm preaching from my heart and I hope that it reaches some of you guys. But here's a question I ask myself in the season I'm in. Where's God? Anybody ever ask that question? Like be honest with me right now. Where's God? I don't know what's going on. Well, here's some things that I've learned and I want to share with you today. Number one is write this down. God is in control. You need to be reminded today. Let God remind you through me, my words here today, that God is still in control. You know the story of Job in the Bible. He got the worst stuff happened to him. He lost his his family, his kids, his livelihood, his house, all of his possessions, all of this stuff wiped out in a single minute and he doesn't know what's going on. His health All he was left with, if you remember the story, was his wife. And that even wasn't such a good thing. Can I get an amen to that? You read this story. What did did Job's wife say to him? Uh, You know, I look at your life now, honey, and you should just curse God and die. That's what she said. Like, Job's probably thinking, 
why'd you leave me with her? Like, save me a goat would have been better than her. Like, really, God? Like, so he's just in the worst place. Three of his friends come along, and they try to speak wisdom and life into him, and all they do is make him feel worse about himself. You know that the circumstances you're in, God only does this to bad people. You're a bad person. What have you done to insult God? He's like, no, I'm good, I promise. And all of this stuff happens, and you read the book of Job, and he's wrestling with God. He's trying to figure out why this would happen. Like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm dealing with this major disappointment. You thought your disappointment was bad. He lost everything. And here he is. He's kind of figuring out wrestling with God. And at the end of, in the book of Job, he he has this conversation with God, and God reminds him, hey, can I just say this, Job? When's the last time you created planet Earth? When did you create the oceans and the land and all the creatures in it? And who's the creator here, and who's the creation? Like, God kind of puts him in his place, and Job gets it. And at the end of the book of Job, in, in, verse, in chapter 42, verse 2, Job says this, I'm convinced that you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. In other words, here's a word for you today. God is in control. It doesn't matter how you feel or what you think or what you can see. God is still in control, and he's okay with everything that's going on. Anybody in here like to travel? Anybody you like to fly to dis- destinations and different places? I love to travel. I hate the traveling part. I love getting there, meeting new friends, new experiences, and eating wherever I go. Anybody, that's how you see the world. You eat your way through the world, right? I love to eat the local food wherever. But I hate the airports. I hate the airplanes. I hate the Ubers, the Lyft, the, the, the bus rides. I hate the traveling part of it. Can never sleep on planes. Anybody like me? Like you go to recline. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. Is that it? Like, is that all it goes? And your neck is stiff. You can't sleep. I'm that guy. But one thing I really don't like on the planes is turbulence. Who hates the turbulence? Come on. That's scary. That's freaky. I'm trying to sleep and I'm bouncing and all this. And in the middle of the turbulence, some people get really scared. I've sat next to people before. Major anxiety, pounding alcohol to just calm down, taking pills, whatever they need to do because they're, they're panicking, right? But then you always hear this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain speaking, and uh, I just want to reassure you that you will be going through some turbulence, right? That's, I'm not making fun of any pilots in the room, by the way. I just like, I love you guys. Please fly me safely to where I need to go. But you hear this voice coming over, and what it really does is, the, and sometimes they talk like this, don't they? Like, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to be experiencing a little bit of turbulence but it's going to be okay. Like they pause and what I come to realize is they're not phased by the turbulence. Like they've done this a million times. They're the one flying the plane. They're in control. They got this whole thing on. I'm freaking out over here in the back, like ah, fashioning seatbelts. And they just come on and they're just going, hey, I'm the pilot. Trust me. And this is what I think God is trying to say to us here today. Some of you guys need to hear this. God is still in control. He's the pilot. He's the captain. He says, you will go through turbulence in this life. You will have sorrow, but no worries. I'm the pilot, and I got things under control. Amen? Like, that's a word we need to hear for a lot of us here today. Here's the second thing you need to know is that God still cares. Not only is he in control, he's not the God that's going, yeah, I'm in control. I got everything, but I don't care how you feel. He's a God that says, I'm in control, and I'm right here with you, and you're hurting, and that hurts me. And I know you got to ride this turbulence out a little bit, but I'm here with you. I got you. I love you. You need to know how much I care about you. Jeremiah, the prophet, he wrote this book called Lamentations in Scripture. They called Jeremiah, here's his, here's his um, uh, reputation. He was called the weeping prophet because he was the guy. He wrote Lamentations, which is just a book 
of feeling bad, of weeping, of sorrow. And they're like, man, Jeremiah, you're such a weeping prophet, right? He's just, oh, here's a reason. Because his city that he loved, the city of God, Jerusalem, had just been destroyed. The city that was once thriving in commerce and business and, and livelihood and people worshiping their God in their temple and all this coming and going. And I've, and I've been to Jerusalem, right? And you can see it. You can envision it. There's people living in there now. And you can think of it back in Bible days and how, how alive the city was. And here's Jeremiah seeing that the, Babylon, the Babylonians came in. They conquered God's people. They pulled everybody out into captivity. They demoed the whole city. They demolished it. They destroyed it. And here's Jeremiah weeping over his city. And all that he sees, he's like, ah, oh. he hurts so bad for his people, for his city. And as he writes this, he, he gives us some hope that God still cares for him the way that he cares for us today. Here's what he says. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Some of you guys are in a circumstance right now that even if and when God comes through, you're never going to forget this time. There's seasons in my life I'm going through right now that I will never forget as long as I live because it hurts so bad and there's so much loss. And God's not saying that you have to forget it. He's just saying that it hurts so bad that I understand. Now listen to what Jeremiah says. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And yet... I still dare to hope when I remember this. He's hurting, he's bummed, he's discouraged, he's disappointed like you and me. But then he goes, wait, 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 I just thought of something. I just remembered something. Well, here's what I remember. Hold on, I got some hope because I remembered something. Here's what he, he writes. I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning, every day. God is not allowing me to, to fall into what I deserve, but he's given me something better every day. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. And this is what Jeremiah reminded himself of. Wait, God still loves me. God's love is great. It's huge. His faithfulness, his mercy for me, he's right there with me. When I'm grieving, his heart is grieving as well. There's a book in, there's a verse in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 55 in the earlier parts, like verse 3, where it talks about Jesus was a man well acquainted with grief and sorrow. In other words, when you go to God and you're like, Jesus, you don't understand, you don't care. He goes, no, remember, I came down to planet Earth. I was one of you for 33 years. Now I'm well acquainted with disappointment, grief and sorrow. You come to me because I feel you, Carl. I got you. I'm a God that loves you. Father God is a father. We're his kids. He is not sitting by going, well, my kids are getting work today. He's like, I'm so sorry, Carl. I'm so sorry you got to go through the turbulence, but I'm still in control, and I'm here with you. I care about you. I got you right now. Remember how good he has been in your life. When you're sitting here going, God, why did you do this? You don't even care. Remember all the times in your past, like Jeremiah. I remember this. A time before when I went through betrayal from some of my best friends, and people turned on me, and they gossiped about me in slander. I remember, God, when you got me through that, and I came out okay. I remember those times, God, when I was hard-pressed for money and I took a financial difficulty, the car broke down, or I didn't have rent or whatever. Yeah, that was a couple years ago. I remember, God, somehow money showed up, and I'm okay, and I'm living to this day, proof that my God loves me and he cares about me. And God, I remember those times in my life when, when, when there was difficulty with my health or I lost loved ones far too early and I was, I was mourning their loss. God, this was family. I love them. I miss them like crazy. I thought I wouldn't be able to wake up the next morning. But God, somehow, 
You've shown your light through my darkness one little step at a time, and you got me through it, and I'm stronger, and I'm okay, and I still miss him, but I'm here today as living proof that my God cares for me. Oh, yeah, I remember that God still cares for me. Amen? And this is how we deal with this. We need to remember this. Here's the third thing is we need to remember that God is working. Not only is he in control, not only does he really care for you, but God is working in your life. He's working right now as you're waiting, and you're just like looking at your watch. The days are going by, the hours, the months, whatever. It might be years you've been in a disappointing situation. While you're waiting, God is working. While you're weeping, God is working. While you're wailing out before him, God is working in your life. He's always doing something, even in the disappointments, to bring about something really good. And it's his timing that matters, not your own, because his ways are best. Genesis 50 verse 20 tells a little verse here, and it's a story of Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph... He was a guy that when he was a young man, he had a, a vision, he had a dream that someday he was going to be a great leader and a lot of people were going to bow down to him and he's going to have power and authority and he was holding on to that dream and he shared it with his family. His brothers didn't like it, so they threw him out in a pit out in the wilderness. They left him for dead. If you guys remember the story, go read it in Genesis. They told his dad that he got killed by a wild animal. They sold him into slavery. He goes into slavery. He ends up a slave in this guy named Potiphar's house. He gets framed for raping the wife. All this stuff, he never did any of this, but it's one bad thing after another. He gets thrown in jail. His life for years, some of you have been going through disappointment for like a couple days, a couple months. For years of his life, discouraging stuff is happening to him. But in the end, you know what happens is he gets elevated to second in command of an entire nation, the nation of Egypt. Under Pharaoh, he's second in command of the whole nation. And he uses its influence for really good things. And he saves a lot of people's lives. And the vision that he was a little kid took years of disappointment and discouragement but he ends up coming out on top in the end. And he, he meets up with his brothers that betrayed him all those years earlier. And he says this in verse 20. Hey, you guys intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. God was working in that whole process. He says, God brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph understood this. While I was hurting and discouraged and going through terrible stuff, God was working. He was preparing me for leadership someday so that I would have the, the character, I would have the strength, I would have the motivation, the faith, the trust in God. He was building me up so that one day I would be second in command of an entire nation and I have the ability to help so many people and save so many lives. Here's the word for you today is while you're feeling discouraged and you're thinking God doesn't care, he's not out there, this is terrible, God, what are you doing to me? God is actually going, I'm working in what's going on in your life. And the only way for me to get you to the next level of what I have planned for you in your life is to prepare you through this hard time right now. And if you hold on to me and understand that I've overcome difficulty and all of this stuff that's going on in your life right now, you're going to see that I'm actually working something really cool, and I'm going to give you the blessing on the other side. Amen? God is working towards a better future for you. And so we need to understand that he's preparing us for this type of future. Well, what should I do? Let me give you guys four things really quickly on what can you actually do because it's good to know that God cares, he's in control, and he's working in my life, but it's a whole other thing to go, well, how do I do my part, God? And this is how you can do your part, what you should do. Here's the first thing that's important is go to God first 
in your disappointment or whatever's going on right now, just make it a mission to immediately go to God first and not try to figure it out on your own. All the time you waste trying to figure out your own strategy, read your own books, do your own thing, God's going, that could be time that I could be fixing your life and and fixing you and strengthening you, but you want to waste all this time. Don't get distracted. Go to God first. Go to God immediately. Psalms 55, 22 says, pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load. He'll help you out. He'll never let good people topple into ruin. Let disappointments lead you to his appointments. Does that make sense? Let your disappointments lead you to his appointments in your life. In other words, while you're dealing with all of this trouble, first thing you need to do, go get an appointment with God. Go get into God's presence. Go speak to God. Go run to him before you try to figure life out on your own. Is get to him as soon as you can. Because how many of us in this room right now, you're parents and you have little kids in your life? Anybody have kids in your life right now? Okay, some of you guys. How many of you... Our kids, you, you have parents. Anybody? Anybody else? No? You guys didn't catch that one? Like you're a kid. Anybody have parents in this room? Hopefully that applies to all of you. You're like, I'm confused. <laughs> Here's what I know about kids. Think about this. In your life or your kid's life, when something bad happens and they get hurt, fall off their bike, their skateboard, whatever, and they're screaming, what is the first word that comes out of their mouth? Anybody remember? Mommy, right? And, and if you're the really cool dad, you hope that it would be daddy. But more often than not, mommy always gets the first call, right? Like, I'm always hoping, like, oh, my kid got hurt. Yeah, they're going to call me. Mommy. I'm like, oh, I'm not helping you. Fine, then. Let your mom get you, right? You wish it was dad. If you're a good dad, maybe you get that. But the one thing I know is before they try to fix themselves, before they even get off the ground after they've been hurt, they just lay there like, mommy, Right? And I believe that this is what God wants of us when we're dealing with difficulty, hardship, and hurt. Stop trying to fix yourself. Call on someone who's bigger and better, and they have more experience, and they can fix your situation. Go to God first. Amen? Like, go to him first. It says in Isaiah 30, verse 15, here's what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says to us. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Let me give you three ways that we can run to God. Here's ways that speak to me in my life. When I have to go to God first, here's the three top things that I do. Write them down. Pray, read your Bible, and worship. Pray, read your Bible, and worship. There's a lot of ways he speaks, but those are the top three. Even before I go to my Christian friends, that's, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But those things, when you go directly to God first, prayer. Here's why prayer is so important. Prayer is basically putting words to your emotions. And here's the problem with us. When we get disappointed, we're just a ball of emotion. We get angry. We get confused. We feel hurt. We give in to fear and to doubt. And we've got all this turmoil going on inside of us. You know what prayer does? Is prayer is the outlet. It lets us vent it all out. Prayer puts words to all the emotions in our life. And you can come to God and you can go, God, I'm angry. I'm confused. You can yell at God. You can do whatever you want. He's a big God. He can take it. He can take whatever you throw at him. In fact, if you read the book of Psalms, here's a man after God's own heart, King David. God loved him so much because David was real and raw before the Lord. Like you read the Psalms sometimes, it's almost disrespectful what David is saying to God. Where are you? How come you're not on my side? You're supposed to defend the godly. I don't see you. What are you, hiding your face from me? Where are you, God? 
And God goes, I like this kid right here. He's honest with me. I like his fire. I like his passion. I like this kid. He's a man after my own heart because he's real with me. And prayer is simply that. We just get real to God. See, you can hold all those emotions inside of you and be like bitter and, and worried and anxious and have fear. And God goes, all that does is build poison up in your life and you're holding it all in and it's just gonna make you a terrible person. But when you let that stuff out, go to God, pray. Two things when you pray, vent first and then listen. Vent and get it all out of your system and then listen because God will respond. He'll comfort you. He'll speak to you. He'll give you words. He'll, he'll do things in your life. So prayer is important. Secondly, read the Bible. Read the Bible because it's God's way of giving us tangible words, a book that we can read every single day that has problems and has, answer, has answers for all of life's problems. For all of our questions, there's a verse. And when you read your Bible and you go to your Bible, you're going to absolute truth. It comes from the heart of God, written by people over all of these years who've listened. And God said, write this down, speak this out. This is my heart for my people. Here's what I recommend that you do. Go to the word and read it until you lock on a verse that speaks to your life in those particular seasons or circumstances that you're going in. Find one. You will find one. I guarantee you. Some of us, we just don't look. Oh, what's God trying to say to me? Read the Bible. No, no, it's too boring. I don't get it. I don't get it. No, read the Bible. It's full of promises. You're going to lock onto a verse that you're going to hear and just speaks exactly what you need to hear. Sometimes you're going to find that that verse is repeated. That verse that you had that's like, that was so meaningful. The pastor talks about it that Sunday in church, and you're going, oh, this is crazy. You know what that is? That's God trying to get your attention and saying, I speak through my book. I speak through my words. They're powerful. And I actually have a, a list of verses. I keep a, a devotional. I do a journal on my phone every morning. I read the word, and I'm just, I'm locking onto the ones that really jump out and speak to me. And then sometimes I'll lock onto the particular verse for weeks at a time or months at a time. I'll read the rest of the Bible and all my other devotions, but there's verses that are just on repeat. And in the past maybe seven years or so, I collected kind of a list of them. And I want to share them with you today because I want to give you tools, not just faith and teaching. I want to give you some verses that personally help me. I think they can help you in disappointment right now. I'm going to put them on the screen, and I want you to bust your phone out right now and take a picture of these. That's the easiest way I could get it to you. And we're trying to go paper-free and all that. But I want you to like just take a picture of these verses. They're on all the screens. And I want you to have tools that say, man, I learned something today in church, and I have some verses that I can hold on to to go to God first. And I can know these are things that for me, literally, Carl's verses have spoken to me in incredible ways and empowered me through dis disappointing and discouraging circumstances. So we pray, we go to the word, and then I believe in this with all my heart, is find a worship song that speaks to you. Find a good worship song. The reason that we, we do worship is God connects to us through music and through lyrics. It's so powerful. It moves us. It changes us. We sang a couple this morning, praise before my breakthrough. Now there is a song to sing in disappointing times. There is a song you can latch onto. When you find a song like that, we're going to sing some at the end that are powerful. One of the songs is Do It Again, where God, I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe that you're going to do it again in my life. That's a verse. That's a song to hold on to. And I listen to these songs, and I repeat them. And one that I've been singing a lot lately, someone sent me off the new, brand new Hillsong United album. The, the album's called People. But the song is called Another in the Fire. Go check out that song. Another in the Fire. You know why that's such a powerful song? 
It speaks of the book of Daniel, where there's these three guys that worshiped God, and they weren't going to compromise their belief in God for anybody. And the king said, hey, unless you bow to me and deny your God, then I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you into that fiery furnace. You guys maybe have heard the story before. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, nah, you know what? We don't bow to anybody but the one true God. Kill us, do whatever you like. We believe God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. We're still going to follow God. And you know the story. Got thrown in the fiery furnace. But here's the problem, is it didn't kill them. Not a hair of their head was even singed. They came out not even smelling like smoke. But here's the cool part, is in the middle of the fire, that the, the king that threw him in there, he goes, what's going on in there? I see those guys in there. I threw three guys in the fire. There's another in there with them. There's four people. What the heck is that all about? And it was Jesus going, hey, I got these guys. I got you. I'm in there. And the song is called Another in the Fire, that in the fire that you're going through to discouraging times, God's got you. But this is why I believe worship is so strong. It gets into us. We repeat. We memorize these songs. Go to God in prayer. Find verses that speak to your life. And find a song that you can just build your season of life around. But go to God first. I got three other things that are super important. Here's the next one is you need to let others in. In your disappointment, let somebody else in. Don't do it alone. The enemy's favorite tool is isolation. Get you alone with your thoughts, with your fears, with your doubts, uh, with all the lies he's telling you about how you'll never come out of this dark place, how it's all your fault anyway, how God is a bad God because he allows this in, his, in your life, how your life is ruined from here on out, this one circumstance is going to ruin the rest of your life. That's what happens when we're alone with our thoughts. See, we need to get to the point where we have other people, the right people, because you're not going to let everybody in. And I understand that. I don't even encourage that. Sometimes you find, you test it out. You start to let people in and you find that they're going to like, they're not going to be well with the information. They don't know what to do or they might betray your trust. But you got to search for the right people to let them into your situation. We're not created to do life alone. God is all about relationships. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So search hard for those right types of friends and brothers and sisters that are going to be with you to strengthen you. Maybe people have been through similar circumstances. They've come out okay. You need them to speak life into you. You need to be accountable. You need them to pray for you. You need them to push you towards God. But you have to find those kind of people. You understand that just because we have services for an hour and 15 minutes every Sunday, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to find lifelong people to connect with. It's our way of helping you. But there's people that come to church and they're like, I went to your church. I never got connected to anyone. Your church is unfriendly. I'm like, well, did you stick around in the courtyard and have coffee and meet anybody? No. You ever go to a connect group to connect with other people? Nope. I just don't feel connected. That's why we call it connect groups because if you go, you'll get connected. Like, no brainer, right? Like, well, did you try the, the, the men's fraternity? Did you try the, the women's sisterhood? No, I didn't go to any of that. Your church is unfriendly. Well, did you show up at an Ohana Beach Day or go to one of the camps? or one of the, Did you do anything? We make ourselves available to you to connect. No, I didn't go to it. Your church is unfriendly. I just can't get connected. Well, whose fault is that, <laughs> right? There's a verse in Proverbs that says, in order to have good friends, you yourself need to be friendly. Like, so here's what I'm saying to you guys today. If you're walking through disappointment right now, do not walk through it alone. But you have to get 
off your butt a little bit and search for the right people that God's trying to put in your life. You have to take a little bit of initiative and it takes work. I've been through the season where I thought I got enough friends and then I went through some heavy stuff and I realized I need to start looking for more friends because I need all the help I can get in walking through this one and God has given me lots of people. I have friends in the church. I have some really close friends on the staff. I have pastoral accountability groups that I'm in. I have mentors from around the country, from around different nations even that I go to and ask for advice in, but I know, man, I'm not doing this thing alone. There's no way I can do this. I gotta let some other people in, amen? If you don't have it, you gotta start looking for that. Here's the third thing that's important. Let's find purpose in the pain. God actually says in the middle of the pain and the discouragement you're going through that there's a purpose. Remember I told you earlier, he's still working while you're hurting, while you're weeping. He's still working. Psalm 119 is a good example David wrote this psalm. You know, he wrote a, 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 the, a bulk of the psalms, like 75 of the psalms. And they're basically were like prayers and they're like poems and, and worship songs to God. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the whole Bible. And the reason it's so long is that scholars believe that David was writing this psalm all throughout his life. He kept adding on more to it. As he, he's a, as he did the thing with defeating the giant Goliath when he was a young boy, he wrote stuff about God, how you've been my strength and this and that. How he, he got launched into um, almost becoming king, but King Saul is trying to kill him. Then he became a successful king. Then he messed up with Bathsheba. Now, all the ins and outs, David kept writing on stuff that he's learned about God in this psalm. But there's one verse that talks about he found purpose in the pain that he had to go through in life. Look at um, verse 71 of Psalm 119. David writes this. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. David is saying, there was a purpose in the pain that I had to go through. And in your life right now, in the disappointment you may be going through, that God is going, hey, you know what? The suffering is actually good for you. You might not see it right now, but it's doing something really good in you. Charles Spurgeon, the great famous author and theologian and pastor, he wrote this quote that I think is so real about us finding purpose in our pain. Listen to what he says. He says, very little is to be learned without affliction. In other words, we, we don't really learn a whole lot without the tough times. He says, if we would be scholars, then we must be sufferers because God's commands are best read by eyes wet with tears. In other words, he's just basically promising you grow the most and the best when you go through the hard times and that we can learn the most from God, that there's a purpose in the pain, but you have to see that. You have to find it. You have to embrace it. The two questions I ask myself when I'm going through hard times and I'm looking for purpose is number one is this, God, what are you doing in me? Like, what are you trying to do in me? How are you trying to do something good? What is the purpose of this pain? Why do I have to go through this and feel this way right now? And you know what God often shows me? Sometimes it takes a long time to see it. He says, Carl, I'm making you better. The only way that I can get you to the next level that I have for you is to, to equip you and prepare you through the rough times right now. And I found often like this, in my season where I've been going through rough stuff, I found that God's doing a couple things in me. Number one, he's purging me of me, of my pride, of my ego, my selfishness, my intellect trying to figure out my life situation. He's purging me of that. And it hurts, but he's getting me to the point of surrender where, God, nothing I'm doing is working. He goes, that's where I like you, in a place of surrender where you're not working and I am. And he's purging me, but also he's refilling me. When I come to God and I go, God, I got nothing I need you. That's when he goes, that's what I like to hear. Here's what I'm doing in you, Carl. I'm making you better. Here's a second question I ask in the per finding purpose in my life is, not just what are you doing in me, but what can you do through me? How can I be a blessing to other people? How can my disappointment benefit other people? 
Because that's what God wants to do. He doesn't want you just to go through it. Your life, I don't know if you know this, but your life is bigger than just you. That all the people around you in your life, God's trying to use you to do good things to bless the world around you. So we ask ourselves the question, God, what can you do in me? Wow, you're making me better. But what can you do through me is you can use me to make other people better around me. There's people in this room that you've gone through unique circumstances. There's stuff that you've gone through that I've never been through before. You're sitting here today. You have a story to tell that God has brought you through some stuff that I just don't know about. It's foreign to me. I haven't been through the stuff that you've walked through in life. But your story is here to help someone else in church or in your life around you that is going through similar circumstances. And that what God's trying to do to reveal the purpose and the pain that you've had to go through is that he can use that to bless other people around you. So you need to understand that there actually is a purpose in my pain. And here's the fourth thing that I have for you today, and I'm going to end with this, is that you need to keep the right perspective. Keep the right perspective. In other words, get your eyes off of your disappointment and into all the light that God has brought about, all the darkness that you're focused on. Maybe you walked in the room today and you're just like obsessed with the disappointment, the discouragement, the trials, the suffering that you, I need God today. I'm coming to church because of this, because of this person, because of this situation, because of where my, my finances are. Ah, and what God's trying to say is if, if you want to overcome discouragement and disappointment in your life, you got to get your eyes off that a little bit and see all the good that God is still doing in your life. Your life is bigger than just the one problem that this is going to pass someday and you've got a bigger life to live. Here's what um, this guy named Raymond Edmond, who's one of Billy Graham's mentors. You guys all heard of Billy Graham, the famous pastor evangelist. I mean, the guy was amazing. He led all these crusades. Probably millions of people have come to know Jesus. They're going to be in heaven because of this one dude, Billy Graham. But here's a guy that spoke into his life, a mentor. And here's the words that he said to Billy Graham about keeping the right perspective. He said, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Never doubt when you're in the dark what you know to be true, what God told you in the light. In other words, your life is more than just that one situation. Stop focusing and fixing your eyes and your perspective on how bad life is, but look around and realize all the good that God is doing in your life. Count the wins, count the victories, see how God can still use you. Yes, you're going to be disappointed. Yes, it hurts. You can't deny it. You can't ignore it. But also look around and see that he's a very good God and he has way more to your life than just the one situation that you're in right now. Can I get an amen for that? Some of us, we're stuck in the dark and God's flicking the light on going, look around, take a new perspective. Paul writes in Philippians 3.20, there's far more to life for us. There's bigger stuff than our circumstances. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ. There's more to life than what's happening to us right now. Like our situation, like we got to get our perspective in thinking, here's a new perspective. Is this the only thing that's happening in my life right now? No, it's a thing that's happening. It might be big, but it's not the only thing that's happening. How am I going to feel about this problem a couple weeks from now, a couple months from now, five, 10 years from now? When I'm on my deathbed and I look back at all that God did in my life, am I only going to be obsessed about that one bad thing? Or am I going to see in big perspective, wait, there's a lot of really good life that I had to live, and there's a lot more to my life than this one negative situation right here. What is your perspective that needs to change? The Apostle Paul writes with this verse, and I'll end with this, 2 Corinthians 4. In verse 16, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly it would look like we're wasting away, Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles 
are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, we need to understand that the the situation you're in, that I'm in, the season I'm in right now, it might be a long season, but that's the word that I use for it, is a season. Because the season means there's always another season coming, that you're not gonna be in the season forever. Some of us wanna give up and go, oh, what's happening in my life right now is my life is ruined. Really, all of your life for all of eternity, the rest of your life is all gonna be based on this one thing, that's your life? No, no, all that is is that's a season. Paul says they're light and momentary troubles. They're temporary. A few years from now, you're gonna look back and go, that was rough, but I'm not in that season anymore. Man, it was winter, but spring is coming, and I'm living in summer now over here, and there's probably gonna be more of that winter coming, but you know what? They're just seasons, amen? Like just your perspective has to change. There's far more of life that you need to live. So fix your eyes on what is unseen. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the hope of heaven that we have. Think of all the good that he's doing in your life that's, that's bigger than just the discouragement that's happening in your life. As we go into worship, we're gonna pray here in a minute. We got a couple songs of worship that we're gonna sing. And these are good songs if you're in a discouraging, disappointing place in life right now. But I want you to remember what worship is all about. Worship is that reminder, like Jeremiah said, I'll never forget this loss. I'm grieving so hard. Wait, but I remember this. I remember that God is good. I remember his faithfulness. I remember his mercies. I remember that he's taken me through rough roads like this before. And I believe that he's gonna do it again. See, what happens in worship is sometimes we walk in this room or this tent, whatever we call this church, we walk in here and all we see are our problems. Sadly enough, sometimes our problems look bigger than our God. And when we come into worship and we take communion and we do whatever we need to do, all we're doing is resetting that new perspective where suddenly God becomes bigger and the problems and disappointments become smaller. That's the perspective that we need to have. So I would encourage you, we're gonna pray right now, but then in worship afterwards, that you would just help God reset the perspective in your life that he is bigger. But let's bow our heads and pray right now. Lord, we're here today and we thank you for a good word. We thank you for a word that reminds us, Father God, that the worst that life has to throw at at us, that isn't the end and we don't have to focus on that. You're bigger, you're in control, you care for us. And you're still working. You're doing great things. Lord, if we we would chase after you and go your way, you're the one that can help us overcome the worst of discouragements in our life. Life is not over, Lord, that we'd have a better perspective that sees all the good stuff that you're still trying to do in our lives. And and we will be disappointed and we can be disappointed and and it's okay to hurt. But Lord, we're not gonna let that run our lives and and we're gonna focus on you. We're gonna fix our eyes on what is unseen and not what is seen. So Lord, I pray right now, that we would get a new heart, that we would get a new hope of the good things that are happening in our lives. We live out this week beginning with a new perspective. And and if maybe you're someone in this room right now as we're praying, maybe you've never actually, if you're honest with yourself, you've never actually completely surrendered to God. In other words, you're you're not 100% sure that you are a Christian, but you wanna be. And, and maybe you came in here today going, I need some help from God and, and I need him in my life, but, but you're not sure if you have a relationship with him because it doesn't matter if you've read the Bible before or been to church before. If you haven't personally in your heart said, God, I wanna follow you, I surrender to you. Please come into my life and change me and lead me forward. That's the prayer that changes everything. And I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now. On this Sunday morning here in Kaneohe, I want to give you the opportunity to change your eternity by saying a simple prayer of your heart to God. If you'd like to do that, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to pray the words out loud. 
I will not ask you to pray them out loud. You might be scared to do that in a room full of people this size right here. But here's what I'm gonna ask you, is that you'd make it a decision of your heart to pray the words that I say out loud. You'd make them your prayer to God in your heart of hearts. He'll honor that prayer. He'll change your life. After service, you can go and tell someone this week or today, hey, I prayed that prayer. You can let people know that you've confessed to it and that you're, you're gonna live it. But right now, let's deal with your heart. If you'd like to say this prayer that is the best prayer you'll ever pray in your entire eternity, if you're in on this one, and I wanna lead you on this prayer, with every eye closed and every head bowed, can you just let me know that you wanna pray this with me? I just like to know who I get the privilege of praying with. So right now, before you pray that prayer, can you just lift your hand and say, yep, Pastor Carl, here I am. I hope you see me. I wanna make sure I see you. Can you lift your hand if you want that? Good, I see hands going up. I see you, I see you, I see you. I got you, sister right here. Brother, I got you right there. I see a hand over here. There's a hand in the back. Praise God, a couple hands together over there. Someone over here on my left side. Thank you, God, for these hands. If I didn't see you, just wave at me or something, but I think I saw all those people. You just need to know you've been seen. And above and beyond that, doesn't matter so much that I see you, but God sees you. Put your hand down right now. He sees your heart. But would you just pray this with me right now? You make it the words of your heart as I pray it out loud. Real simple. Hi, God, I'm here today and I need you. I want you in my life. I need you to know that I'm gonna follow you all of my days until I see you face to face in heaven. So Lord, would you be my God? Would you lead me? Would you, would you not judge me and make me feel bad about myself, but would you accept me and forgive me as I am and just fix my life and make it better? God, would you lead me forward and show me the incredible plans that you have for my life that I don't have to focus on the negative, disappointing things, but you've got much more life for me to live out there. And Lord, I believe that as I say yes to you right now, I have the promise of salvation, which means I get to go to heaven when I die and live for you eternally. Lord, thank you. Right now, Lord, I'm telling you that I believe in what Jesus did on the cross and the empty grave to buy me back into your care, into your family, God. So right now, with all my heart, I'm saying I will follow you. I'm saying yes to you and everything that you have for me. Thank you for the new creation that you're about to create of my life. I look forward to this new adventure. I'll follow you all of my days. Thank you for being my God. In Jesus' name, the church says amen, amen. Can we praise God for those people right now?